God often reveals his truth to us, whether it is about himself, us, or the relationships therein through the natural world. This is revealed to us by Paul in Romans 1, 19-20, which says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. This is also true for man-made things such as film, and I would like to show how he does just that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And welcome back to the Oh How Marvelous podcast, where today we'll be talking about the movie that started this whole Marvel Cinematic Universe shebang. We'll be talking about Iron Man today. Now today I am recording on February 16th, 2022. It's a Wednesday. But the other day I discovered that um, I posted my devotional for this movie two years ago on February 21st, 2020. That is two years ago from Monday this year. Um, So I decided that I would record today, but I would officially post it on the podcast platforms on Monday the 21st in celebration of that two-year anniversary. I thought, why not? It's the first Marvel film that came out, and it is the perfect timing. And that's why I haven't posted any new episodes for the podcast in quite a while. Just waiting for that date to arrive. Before we get into the main content here on Iron Man, I would like to give you an update on the logo. As you can see, it looks so much better. Um, Apparently, Apple has very specific pixelation requirements to be able to even consider um, posting podcasts on their platform. And so I really wanted to be able to have this podcast on Apple since Apple is such a huge platform for podcast listeners everywhere. Plus, I already know some people who listen to podcasts just on Apple. And so I wanted to allow them to be able to hear it. But the logo looks pretty good now. Um, I really like how it looks. I have a friend who, I don't know his actual name, but he goes by Cosmic Cretin on the social medias. So I will honor his anonymity as far as he wishes to put it out there. But he did a really great job with this logo. Uh, It took quite a bit to get it to where Apple wanted it. But I am thankful for your um, help there, Cosmic, and thank you for your time and effort. It does not go unnoticed. So, as I said, it's the two-year anniversary of the devotional, and so, again, I decided to wait till the 21st to um, publish this podcast episode, Um, and that's why you haven't heard from me in a while. So, let's get on to my thoughts on the movie itself, Iron Man. This movie came out in 2008. I was 11 at the time, so this is probably in between elementary and middle school for me. So I do not have any recollection of seeing this movie for the first time, or even if I did end up seeing it in theaters at all. I was a little bit of a late bloomer, not too much into the MCU, but of course I I didn't get too caught up in the whole Iron Man story. I didn't really get much into the MCU until Phase 2 anyway. Um, As I've said before, 
But there are a lot of things that I enjoyed about this movie. They really introduced Tony very well into the MCU here. So my favorite character here was Tony, of course. He was fantastically done. RDJ, Robert Downey Jr., is the perfect casting role for Tony Stark. Um, this egotistical billionaire playboy philanthropist. Um, it is perfect for him, especially with um, RDJ's personal history with alcoholism and how he was going through Burger King one day and was like, wow, this burger is crap. Why am I on crack and all these kinds of drugs and alcohols? Um, and so it's a really great testament to Robert Downey Jr.'s story as well. Um, and I think that has such a big role into why RDJ is perfect for the role of Tony Stark is because he can personally relate to the character. Um, and I love it when those things collide or combine like that. Um, my favorite scene of this movie um, is where Tony uses the laser targeting to fight the terrorists. And for the longest time, I took that scene as, well, he saw that there were refugees hiding from these terrorists, the Ten Rings that they call themselves. And so I had, up until recently, always thought that Tony was going to fight on behalf of them to free them. But really now I see that since egotistical Tony is egotistical, that he just went there to enact his revenge on these people. And plus he kind of covered that up with Rhodes, with being like, hey, I can do this better than you, so can you please back off? Um, and plus, it's me in the suit. <laughs> so you're going to kill me if you uh, shoot this thing down. But again, I just love that he's able to use that laser targeting system. Um, and it's that same laser targeting system that we see in Civil War fail in that one moment where he says he's eyeballing it. Um, and it just really shows how good of aim Tony has by himself there in Civil War, but we'll get to that when we get to Civil War. I have two favorite quotes, actually. Um, I'm going to put one as a favorite quote and another as an honorable mention. My favorite quote being when Pepper Potts is talking to Christine the day after um, the party, so to speak, and Pepper is telling Christine about her job description and she's like and I occasionally take out the trash and you know that she was being snarky when talking to Christine as if she's the trash that she's talking about and I just love that now the honorable mention quote goes to Tony actually when he is fighting Obadiah Stane when they're both in their iron suits um, Iron Man versus Iron Monger they both take to the skies with Tony taking the lead and Obadiah just chasing him up there and then Obadiah is like my suit is superior in every way and Tony's like oh yeah well how'd you solve the icing problem better look that up sir in the Stan Lee cameo in this one I give a three out of ten it honestly wasn't much it was barely okay um obviously the cameos they did better as they went along with the MCU um, speaking of which, I totally forgot to mention 
cameos in the previous episodes. So I'm going to give you my ratings for the cameos for Captain America, the first Avenger, and Captain Marvel now. For Captain America, the first Avenger, I gave the Stan Lee cameo a solid 7. It wasn't the best one, but it wasn't bad either. It was still above average, even. I really loved that he had a line here, um, and that it was a silly line. Um, I expected him to be taller. Um, it was really great seeing Stan Lee actually have a line here. So, that was pretty solid. I gave the Captain Marvel Stanley cameo a 7.2. It was his first cameo appearance after his death, um, and so I think they definitely edited that scene to where Captain Marvel smiles at him as he's reading Mallrats, which is a very 90s thing, because um, it takes place in the 90s. So there's that. Um, so I think that's why I gave him a 7.2, which is higher than why I gave First Avenger, even though he didn't have a line. Um, I just appreciated that they showed Stanley some appreciation there. Um, so that is it for the Stanley cameos. And back to the movie that we're covering today, Iron Man. I really didn't have any dislikes with it, which is strange. It didn't really strike a chord with me at all but like I didn't notice any bad parts about it that needed adding on to or something like that I think the movie was very well done um and so with all that being said that's it for my review of the movie um again it was really well made I enjoyed Iron Man great intro to the MCU um but we are going to move on now to the biblical piece of this podcast episode. Um, so I'm getting ready to read the devotional that I wrote two years ago on Iron Man. So here goes. In Iron Man, Obadiah Stane takes over Stark Industries after his beloved friend Howard passes away. When Howard's son, Tony, turns 21, he takes over his father's company. Tony discovers that the weapons produced by his company have somehow ended up in the hands of terrorists. He immediately announces in a press conference that he has decided to cease his weapons manufacturing. Obadiah then plots to kill Tony to regain control of the company because he has secretly been aiding these terrorists. Tony then gets captured by terrorists and escapes using his mechanical genius to create the very first Iron Man suit. Eventually, Obadiah reveals his plot to Tony while placing him in temporary paralysis. In a battle between the two, Tony risks his life to stop Obadiah. This battle ends in Obadiah's death and Tony's triumph. This story is much like Saul's pursuit to kill David. The story begins in 1 Samuel 19 and continues until the end of the book. Sometime after Saul is rejected by God as the king of Israel and David is anointed to replace King Saul, Saul found out about David's anointing. He then plots to kill David. Fortunately for David, Saul's son, Jonathan, was David's best friend, and Saul would tell Jonathan of the details of this plot. Jonathan would then tell David these things. Saul made several attempts on his life, all of which were unsuccessful. Saul tried throwing a spear, sent guards to David's house, and even tried to have David arrested. That's not to say that David didn't have his own opportunities to kill Saul, but David decided to show mercy towards Saul. 
because he was the Lord's anointed. In fact, he spared his life twice. The first time, he showed a sign of his mercy by cutting off the corner of Saul's robe. The second time, a spear was placed into the ground beside Saul's head. Both Obadiah and Saul became jealous of their successors who were the rightful men for the job. They both sought to kill their successor. They both gave themselves away to their anger and jealousy in this pursuit. Has jealousy been driving your life decisions lately? Has anger been feeding your jealousy? Will you talk to God and give these things completely to Him? How can you show mercy to those it is easy to take your anger out on? Would you ask for God to forgive you, for it was He you ultimately sinned against? Would you ask these people to forgive you? Will you forgive yourself? And now I'm going to read the biblical passages that include the times where David spared Saul's life. It occurs in two different places. The first passage is 1 Samuel chapter 24, and the second passage is 1 Samuel chapter 26. 1 Samuel chapter 24 says, When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. When Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goat's rocks, and he came to the sheepfolds by the way, where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave, and the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words, and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Afterward, David also arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul, My Lord the king! And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and paid homage. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Behold, David seeks your harm. Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not put out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, see the corner of your robe in my hand. For by the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you, but my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancients says, Out of the wicked comes wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? After whom do you pursue? After a dead dog? After a flea? May the Lord therefore be judge and give sentence between me and you, and see to it and plead my cause and deliver me from your hand. As soon as David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have repaid me good, whereas I have repaid you evil. And you have declared this day how you have dealt with me, in that you did not kill me when the Lord put me into your hands. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away safe? So may the Lord reward you with good 
for what you have done for me this day. And now, behold, I know that you shall surely be a king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Swear to me, therefore, by the Lord, that you will not cut off my offspring after me, and that you will not destroy my name out of my father's house. And David swore this to Saul. Then Saul went home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. And by the way, I am reading all of these biblical passages in the English Standard Version. And now for the next passage where David spares Saul's life. 1 Samuel 26 Then the Ziphites came to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is not David hiding himself on the hill of Hekilah, which is on the east of Jeshimon? So Saul rose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, with three thousand chosen men of Israel to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul encamped on the hill of Hekilah, which is beside the road on the east of Jeshimon. But David remained in the wilderness. When he saw that Saul came after him into the wilderness, David sent out spies and learned that Saul had indeed come. Then David rose and came to the place where Saul had encamped. And David saw the place where Saul lay, with Abner the son of Ner, the commander of his army. Saul was lying within the encampment while the army was encamped around him. Then David said to Abimelech the Hittite, to Joab's brother Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, Who will go down with me into the camp to Saul? And Abishai said, I will go down with you. So David and Abishai went to the army by night, and there lay Saul, sleeping within the encampment, with his spear stuck in the ground at his head, and Abner and the army lay around him. Then Abishai said to David, God has given your enemy into your hand this day. Now, please let me pin him to the earth with one stroke of the spear, and I will not strike him twice. But David said to Abishai, Do not destroy him, for who can put out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? And David said, As the Lord lives, the Lord will strike him, or his day will come to die, or he will go down into battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should put out my hand against the Lord's anointed. But take now the spear that is at his head and the jar of water, and let us go. So David took the spear and the jar of water from Saul's head, and they went away. No man saw it or knew it, nor did any awake, for they were all asleep, because a deep sleep from the Lord had fallen upon them. Then David went over to the other side and stood far off on top of the hill with a great space between them. And David called to the army and to Abner, the son of Ner, saying, Will you not answer, Abner? Then Abner answered, Who are you who calls to the king? And David said to Abner, Are you not a man who is like you in Israel? Why then have you not kept watch over your lord the king? For one of the people came in to destroy the king, your lord. This thing that you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, you deserve to die, because you have not kept watch over your lord, the lord's anointed. And now see where the king's spear is in the jar of water that was at his head. Saul recognized David's voice and said, Is this your voice, my son David? And David said, It is my voice, my lord, O king. And he said, Why does my lord pursue after his servant? For what have I done? What evil is on my hands? Now therefore let my lord the king hear the words of his servant. If it is the lord who has stirred you up against me, may he accept an offering. But if it is men, may they be cursed before the lord. For they have driven me out this day, that I should have no share in the heritage of the lord, saying, Go, serve other gods. Now, therefore, let not my blood fall on the earth away from the presence of the Lord. 
For the king of Israel has come out to seek a single flea, like one who hunts a partridge in the mountains. Then Saul said, I have sinned. Return, my son David, for I will no more do you harm, because my life was precious in your eyes this day. Behold, I have acted foolishly, and have made a great mistake. And David answered and said, Here is the spear, O king. Let one of your young men come over and take it. The Lord rewards every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord gave you into my hand today. I would not put out my hand against the Lord's anointed. Behold, as your life was precious this day in my sight, so may my life be precious in the sight of the Lord, and may he deliver me out of all tribulation. Then Saul said to David, Blessed be you, my son David, you will do many things and will succeed in them. So David went his way, and Saul returned to his place. So as you can see, this devotional um, brought in the themes of jealousy, anger, mercy, and forgiveness, um, and how all those interplay with one another. And jealousy itself can cause us to do or say things that, if we weren't in a state of jealousy, we wouldn't have been doing those. Things that, if we had our heads on straight, we would not even question or even consider doing those things. It caused Saul to want to chase after David's life. It caused Obadiah to do the same thing towards Tony. Um, they just saw the other person as a threat um, because they knew that they weren't as qualified for the position that they were in. And so they sought to, in Obadiah's word, seek to kill the golden goose. And so jealousy can cause us to do some horrible things. And it's oftentimes important to keep our emotions in check. And anger is very dangerous there too, because it can feed our jealousy. It can feed the actions that we do when we're jealous. It causes us to have a more severe reaction to these things. Um, and so it's very important that we keep our emotions in check, as I've said before, because you don't want to be angry and jealous at the same time. That is a mixture for bad things to happen. But instead, let's stop and check our hearts. Are we going to decide to be a Saul or do we want to be a David? Do we want to be a Saul who chases after the positions of others or the things that we perceive others to have? Or are we going to be a David and show mercy to those who are jealous of us, really? Because it's important to kind of understand things from their position as well, but also tell them, hey, I've been there sometimes too. But you know what? There are some cons of the situation going on here. Maybe this is not what you want. Or just show mercy on your enemies anyway. Jesus tells us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. And that is certainly a thing that David did, even if it's not written down in the scriptures, you can tell that David was praying for Saul, and he had mercy on him twice. Uh, mercy is always the best route to go, for mercy is the opposite of revenge. For when we have revenge, it's a never-ending cycle. Revenge itself is a never-ending cycle that eats at us, and once we decide to have revenge, it never ends until someone decides to have mercy. And that is why mercy is important, because it, it ends all these conflicts 
and it relieves all this tension in relationships in general. And you know what? A good definition of mercy is not getting what we do deserve. And in showing mercy to others, we are extending that same mercy that Christ gave to us, to others, as we are called to do. Um, and it extends into forgiveness. Forgiveness is a form of mercy. It also is the opposite reaction of revenge. And therefore, there is no forgiveness without first having mercy in your own heart. And that is very important. And that is why God calls us to forgiveness and mercy to end that cycle of revenge that never ends. Because revenge really is a never-ending cycle. If someone does you wrong and you decide to do them wrong back, then that entitles them, on your own logic, to do wrong back to you. And it never ends. It goes back and forth. And again, mercy and forgiveness just stops all that. And it is the stepping stone forward into a right relationship with that person. And so we should never allow anger to feed our jealousy, but instead to step back and pray because prayer is such an important thing to do all along the way here to pray to have God show us his mercy and that we might extend mercy and forgiveness towards others some more biblical themes that I noticed in this movie Iron Man uh, we have admitting when you're wrong um, James 5:16 says to confess your sins before others um, and Tony certainly did that um, at the press conference after he got back from his three months um, in that cave uh, much like David was in a cave um, but after that three months in a cave Tony is like man I saw my own weapons killing Americans and innocent people um, by these terrorists I don't know how these weapons got into the hands of these terrorists, but I'm going to stop my weapons manufacturing until I get to the bottom of this. This is not right at all. Um, he even talks about um, being comfortable with a system of zero accountability, and he recognized that there was an immediate need for accountability there, um, and he eventually brought that in um, through bringing down Obadiah. Um, and he wasn't going to kill Obadiah. He was just going to have him arrested until he found out he made his own ironmonger suit. And so arresting him was not going to stop him at all. It was just going to stall him at the very least. Tony was all in for accountability there. And so accountability helps us... Uh, well, it helps us prevent us from doing stuff that we would regret later on um, and it shows us who we really are as friends to each other if we hold each other accountable it means that we really care for each other and so hold your friends accountable people because they might thank you later for holding them accountable to things that they probably would have ended up regretting later on in life anyway now, Tony does make a biblical reference in this movie, um, which is where Ultron gets all those biblical references that he uses in Age of Ultron. We'll get to that in that episode. But the 
reference that he makes in this movie, Tony, um, is he's at the party um, after he receives his award, whatever, um, and he sees this guy dressed up as Caesar, and he says, Render unto Caesar, what is Caesar's? And that is a biblical reference where Jesus is talking about render under Caesar what is Caesar's, render under God what is God's. Give the government what you owe them, but also give God what you owe him. The Pharisees in that passage were trying to trap Jesus to get him to say one thing or the other, but Jesus gave that middle ground sort of thing there in that passage where like he was not going to let the Pharisees trap him. He actually kind of outsmarted the Pharisees there, um, but peacefully. Now, some of these other themes that I found in here, I would like to cover in my character study of Tony Stark when I get there. So, I'll just present them um, what they are right now, and then we'll get there when we do the Tony Stark character study here. Um, so there are two of them. One of them is being made perfect. Like Tony is always working on his armor, his Iron Man suits. Whenever he discovers a flaw, he fixes it. Um, that's the same thing that God does for us. But more on that in a character study. Um, there's also parallels to the armor of God. Obviously, um, Tony has a suit of armor. Um, he talks about having a suit of armor around the world. Um, we might even dig a little deeper into that in the Age of Ultron episode as well. Um, but definitely want to dive deep into that on the character study of Tony Stark. And so I think that does it for our study in the film Iron Man. Um, again, if you would like to join our Discord... Uh, please feel free to hit me up at mcudevos at gmail.com. Uh, I will send you the invitation link there where we can talk about God, Marvel, um, send each other our prayer requests, uh, lift each other up in prayer with the Lord, um, and be in community in that way. Be in fellowship, be a part of the body of Christ in that way. Um, and I look forward to interacting with you and maybe you could tell me about a biblical theme that you saw there that I even may have missed. And I love um, when people point that out to me because I'm not perfect either. So if you'd like to join our Discord, feel free to hit me up. Um, so yes, that does it for Iron Man. Next time, I know that this is not quite the correct chronological order, but it doesn't really matter at this point in the MCU anyway, since they seem to be disconnected at this point. Um, I know it should be the Incredible Hulk that's next, but I ended up writing on Iron Man 2 after this on the MCU Devos page. So next time, we'll be talking about Iron Man 2 on Oh How Marvelous. See you then.